This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Hey everyone, welcome to Top Rope Nation, presented by TopRopePress.com. This is Ryan Drosty, as always, coming at you live here on YouTube for Patreon supporters or on demand um, on our podcasting networks, whether you're listening here on Podbean, iTunes, or at TopRopePress.com. And once again this week, I am joined by our fill-in guest co-host from last week, back by popular demand, Mr. Justin <laughs> Joints. Justin. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> Kyle is uh, still couch surfing in Cleveland, although I did hear from him today, and apparently he just got the keys to his new home. So very soon he will not be living on the streets any longer, and he will be making his return to Top Rope Nation. But for right now, I'm joined by longtime friend of Top Rope Press, Justin Joint, and we're here as always to talk with you about what's going on in the world of pro wrestling as we're leading into the Royal Rumble here in about a week and a half or so. Uh, we're going to cover some of the latest news, some of our thoughts on the Rumble, maybe some Rumble memories tonight. But uh, before we get to that, let's get the technical stuff out of the way. First of all, if you guys are listening on iTunes, I got to ask a favor. Take two seconds. Please go on to iTunes and leave us a rating, preferably a five-star rating. Don't make me beg. Leave us a rating. It helps us out. Subscribe to the show. Um, you guys, we, we do about a 1,000 downloads a week, full disclosure. We only have, I think, 12 or 13 ratings on iTunes. So if you can help us out, log on there, search Top Rope Nation, leave us a five-star review. It'll help us grow, get more visibility on iTunes. Um, also, I mentioned we are live streaming on Patreon. If you want to become a patron of the show, uh, you can give as little as a dollar a month and you get access to these live webcasts um, that only our supporters get. So fund the show. Every penny helps out. Um, nothing is too little. Helps us put the money back into the show and continuing to upgrade our equipment, which tonight before we went on the air, Justin, we were having some t technical glitches. I was fiddling around with my microphone like a madman, trying to figure out where this audio feedback was coming from. So if you hear any feedback tonight, if you want to help us get that fixed, patreon.com slash top rope nation. We'll put it back into the show. You're always fiddling with your equipment. <laughs> Don't tell my wife that. <laughs> <laughs> so pro wrestling this week. It's been a wild week. Uh, Last weekend, we had the UK tournament, which I think pretty much everyone can agree was an awesome two days of pro wrestling if you're a WWE fan. Uh, Justin, what do you think of the UK tournament there in the WWE Network? Were you satisfied with the outcome? Anything stand out to you? I mean, overall, what were your thoughts? Uh, I, I've got a lot of thoughts on this one. I loved it. Loved everything about it. Um, hot take. I, I think I liked it. Even though the stars weren't as good in the best matches weren't as good as the cruiserweight tournament matches. I still liked this one better. The, the venue was just beautiful. It's outside of the intercontinental title. It's my favorite belt. I think it's awesome looking. Um, and yeah, just a lot of good matches going in. I'd never seen any of these guys wrestle. I'd only heard of a handful of them. And that's just from following uh, Larry Otto on Twitter. But uh, yeah, it was just fantastic. I uh, not to toot my own horn, but I uh, predicted every single first round match correctly nice. based on promos and entrances. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it was it was a good. I covered the second day for Top Rope Press, and uh, I kind of had to go back and watch it a little bit. I always feel like when I'm covering it live, it's sometimes it's hard to pay attention and get everything because I'm going back and forth with my computer, what's going down. But I'm glad you mentioned the venue because I felt like the venue just added a whole another dimension to the show, made it more fun to watch. Absolutely, it was it was amazing. And I, I, did somebody say that that's where they did the NXT. No, that can't be right, though. Yeah, I don't think yeah, so. No, never mind. No, I know, like, um, Queen, so, Queen played there back in the day, I remember reading. Uh, there's, oh, there's been a lot of historical uh, events that happened there. I can't even remember what the name of the venue is offhand right now, but it was... Uh, Empress Ballroom. Empress Ballroom, that's right. Yeah, so it was a uh, great two days of wrestling. If you haven't had a chance to see it, I would highly recommend it. Um, each day is, like, about two hours long. I think the second day might have gone a little bit longer. Yeah, like 15 um, minutes over two hours. Yeah, but once you get down to I mean, there wasn't really a bad match. The early matches were all pretty brief, like five to eight minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, but when you got down to those last three matches, man, <laughs> there's some good pro wrestling. If you're, if you're looking for good action, there you go. Um, Real quick, think, before we... Sorry, go ahead. No, no go ahead. I was just going to say, I think the semifinal matches, I think the final was really good. Um, <laughs> But uh, I really like the Dunn Andrews semifinal. That was awesome too. That was right up there with the final. Yeah, yeah. I, nope, I agree with that. Um, I was gonna real quick go back to the first round. I just, I, I thought the best match of the first round was the Bait Tucker match. Mm-hmm. But I also wanted to get your opinion. Uh, the Devlin Birch match. Do you think that ending was planned? Obviously not busting his head open, but I mean. I'm assuming they were just going to go maybe another minute longer and Devlin was getting to get the win, but I don't know. I don't, it almost kind of seemed like maybe Birch was supposed to win, but as soon as that busted head open, there's like, Nope. Yeah. I thought that was really weird because uh, it looked like Birch kicked out right on the finish. That was the match where it looked like Birch like kind of kicked out. It was kind of like the uh, Shane McMahon moment at uh, survivor series when he got knocked out. Yeah. But this was this was a little bit closer to a three count. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think it probably was the finish, but because uh, they I mean they really they really hyped Devlin a lot, being like the uh, the Finn Balor protege and everything. So I'd find it hard to see him losing his first match. But yeah, the, the ending was kind of screwy on that one, and yeah, he did bust. Uh, Birch busted the back of his head open pretty badly. So, yes, he did. That was ugly, and that so, was like what the second or third match, second match, I think of the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But which actually kind of set a nice little tone for uh, that first show. Yeah, yeah, first, yeah, the first day was really good too. So, so who stood out for you? To me, I really like Dunn. I've never, I've never really seen him wrestle much. I, I thought he played up the heel role over the two days very well. Um, whether it was you know it was like blindsiding, attacking people. Yeah. Um, kind of came off you know like i'll do anything i can to get ahead um i I, yeah i liked him a lot uh devlin was seen by a lot of people as a big star going in i hit or miss i didn't think he was bad but he didn't really stand out to me too much um a lot of people had picked trent seven to win the whole tournament uh lost it lost a little bit earlier than people thought i I think he's a he's got some potential um mustache mountain yeah, must I love the T-shirt? By the way, <laughs> Justin and I. By the way, we are like wrestling shirt aficionados. We text each other all the time about like the newest. I think I had a text from the other day actually about a new shirt. Yeah, Neville shirt. Neville's new one. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I I gotta like the mustache mountain thing. I I'm not gonna lie. I thought a little bit about ordering the shirt already. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I I liked him too, and Bates awesome. So yeah i love the fi- the final match was pretty innovative there's some pretty cool spots in that oh, i loved uh you know they were they did the whole sh- uh bait shoulder injury angle during the entire match and when uh dunn put him in that triangle choke and yeah. he lifted him up now i i i'm a 36 year old man and i know that wrestling is is, is not real fighting it's scripted but i popped big when he lifted him up from that triangle <laughs> choke oh that was amazing yeah that's that's the kind of like continuity you see between matches or that you don't see a lot anymore um on the main show sometimes so that's one of the things i like kind of like the old school mentality where he was selling that throughout you're right it was the storyline in the main event 
whether or not he could get him up for the Tyler driver for the win and use his finish. And yeah, added another dimension to everything and a really cool moment. So I'm kind of interested to see where they go uh, with the title. We've heard a lot of different things. Um, I guess uh, ICW out of the UK is now going to be streaming their shows on the network. Oh, cool. Signing an agreement with WWE. So they could uh, it can make something of that with the UK championship. I really hope that this doesn't end up being part of like the regular WWE shows. I want to see something different. I want to see a UK only show that maybe is filmed over there exclusively. So yeah. I thought maybe they could do just like a once once a month show or something. Yeah, yeah. And I, w- I mean, I would like to see them bring it over and defend it, uh, whether it's at like NXT Takeover or pay per views here and then too. Um, but I think they can they can keep this division special by having a UK only show. So yeah, absolutely. And I think Pete Dunn, tiny British Jack Swagger, is gonna. I mean, he's gonna be the main man of that division. Yeah, no doubt about it. His uh, his finisher, that bitter end, uh, pump handle flatliner. Oh boy, that thing's wicked looking. Yeah, I I like I said, I've never really watched much of his work before, so I hadn't even really seen that move. So that the first time I saw it, yeah, it blew me away. Awesome. And, uh, uh the, I don't remember if Bate did it in the main event or the semifinal, but his 450 double stomp from the top rope, that was sweet. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. uh, Trent Seven's uh, Seven Stars, his his version of the Rainmaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Larry Otto would like that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a great show. I'm a sucker for a tournament, and especially it's a lot of fun when you don't go in with any baggage of pre-storylines or expecting things from certain guys and it's just just wrestling and it's great yeah speaking of tournaments so this has kind of been the talk this week is um is wwe gonna make this a thing in japan are they gonna do a mexico tournament um it seems to me like from what i've heard they might be leaning towards doing a japanese tournament which is motivating new japan to get out there and expand in the u.s a little bit quicker even um Personally, if I if I'm choosing between Mexico and Japan, I don't know about you. I'd rather see the Mexico tournament first. Personally, yeah, well, yeah, especially since we don't really have an opportunity to see any of those promotions here. Like we can get online and watch New Japan whenever we want. So. Yeah, and yeah, I I'd love to see the the lucha a lucha tournament. I think that's something that WWE is really been far away from for a while they, they've had you know a few luchadors come into the company but it's never been a big focus of them like maybe wcw had back in the day um so i think i think there's a lot of potential with that i yeah like you said we we see the japanese tournaments we got the g1 every summer so um mm-hmm. it wouldn't be to me it wouldn't be as special as doing a mexico only tournament so we'll yeah we'll I thought that's see a really good idea a lucha tournament I, I could get into that yeah and we know the next one on their calendar is a women's tournament coming up too this year so that'll be interesting to see who they get from that yeah um real quick before we move on from the uk tournament i i found it a little interesting that uh tommy end came in as tommy end and not alistar black which i'm guessing that was just to get the crowd that was there who knows him as tommy end a yeah. little bit more in a fever pitch for the match but it kind of threw me for a loop <laughs> It also, yeah, it was kind of an odd way to debut him. You got the like the live pop, obviously the crowd loved it, but they gave away the match with Neville just like unannounced, and he lost also, you know, in his first match with the company. So I thought that was a little, a little odd. It was cool watching it live. I'm not gonna lie. Oh yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Neville's promo before the match was was really good. Um, and it, it, Tommy and doesn't lose anything from being defeated by neville he's the king of the cruiserweights right yeah main roster so yeah yeah i don't know that was surprising though i agree so yeah check out the uh, uk tournament if you get a chance on the wwe network both days um another big thing that happened so we had that over the weekend and uh right before the second day of the tournament started we had the death of superfly jimmy snooker announced um it was confirmed online they did not acknowledge it during the tournament, from what I remember. I know they didn't acknowledge it at the start, like they normally would. Um, but they did acknowledge it during Raw, had a tribute package to him. And so this has brought on 
lot of mixed feelings online. There's been a lot of bickering on Twitter and Reddit and, and all the, the usual places. On Should WWE have aired this uh, tribute video to the career of Superfly? And uh, so, Justin, I wanted to get your take. If, you, if you're in WWE and you're in that room and they're discussing whether or not to do the Jimmy Snuka video, what would your input have been? Uh, I would have leaned towards no. Watching it when it came on, you know, the they did the initial just uh, in memory of Superfly, just with his picture there. I was like, okay, I mean that 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 seems like enough for me, you know. And, and then depending on the superstar, you might have everybody out there uh, on the stage, and they do the ten bell salute. So I was relieved that they didn't do that, um, and I was surprised when they did the uh, promo package for him later on. Yeah, I yeah, I don't. It doesn't feel right to me. <laughs> Yeah, he got the he got the full treatment, like the full length video, the whole song, full retrospective. It's questionable. Um, it's if if you're not aware, Jimmy Snuka was part of a death of his then girlfriend at the time um, in 1983, and Nancy Argentino was her name, I believe. And uh, at the time, he was cleared of any wrongdoing, um, but when he wrote his autobiography a few years ago. His recollection of what had happened differed from what he told the police at the time. And Stuka was the only person there when it happened. And there's always been kind of like this sketchiness to the story of whether he murdered her or not, or if it was an accident or whatever. But in recent years, they reopened the case and he was charged with third degree murder. Um, and now just a couple, just a matter of weeks ago, actually, he was uh, or he had the charges dismissed because he was incompetent to stand trial due to his uh, concussions and brain injuries and health situation. And that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And then his death coming right after that, it's I probably would not have aired it, too. I agree with Justin that the video or the uh, the screen at the start of the show was was probably enough. Um, if if yeah, I'm, it's 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 depressing, like having these guys that we grew up with and with all the concussion stuff and it's just it, it's altering our history like you know with the benoit stuff it's like you can't watch a benoit match without thinking about what happened there and now we're always going to have that with snooka you know mm -hmm. hey, uh trivia he was uh the undertaker's first victim at wrestlemania Ooh, maybe that i shouldn't have said victim <laughs> wrestlemania 7 right Los Angeles. Yep. I believe. One. Yep. Yeah. The one that was originally supposed to be at the Coliseum. Right. And that was moved indoors because the story goes it was because of security concerns because of the Iraq war that had just begun. Uh, I think the real story is they hadn't sold enough tickets to the Coliseum. Oh, really? I, yeah. yeah. I, I had only heard that slaughter was getting death, threat, death, death threats. Yeah. I... I read years ago, at least, this is according to Dave Meltzer, it was in the Wrestling Observer, that uh, they moved it because the ticket sales were slow and they weren't going to fill up 100000 in the in the Coliseum. So if, if you believe Dave, that's the story. Hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't, you know, for me, I was never a huge Jimmy Snuka guy, but I'm also just, you know, not quite old enough to have watched him in his prime. Uh, me and Justin, we're, we're about the same generation, and he was like a little bit before us. Like he, when we can start remember watching him, it's it's towards the end of his career. I don't know. Were, were you much of a Jimmy Snuka fan? Uh, no. I mean, like you said, like the first WrestleMania I remember happening was six, I think, and the, that was long past his prime after he'd done the big top of the cage splashes on uh, Morocco and the missed one on Backland. So yeah, he, he was before our time, but yeah, if, if you weren't at least a teenager in like 1983, you probably, if he's not as big of a deal to you, if, if we'd have been like our age in the early eighties, we maybe it'd be a different story, but yeah, he's, I know he's but an he was, legend, I mean, but yeah, he's an innovator. Nobody was doing the things he was doing, jumping like jumping off the cage, even even if the cage was only like two feet higher than the top rope. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it is a questionable decision. People are going to be debating that for a while. I, I personally wouldn't have done it. Justin said he wouldn't have done it, but uh, there is a little bit of backlash going on. So um, Jimmy Snuka's death is probably going to be one of those things that's talked about for a while because of uh, everything that's hanging out there with the, the murder from 1983. Uh, but on to some happier news. Kurt Angle, Justin, 
is making his long-awaited return to WWE after what, like twelve years or so? The oh five yeah. or oh six that he left WWE? Oh six. Oh six. Yeah. yeah. So eleven years later, that's right. He wrestled WrestleMania twenty-two, the triple threat match with uh, Mysterio and was it Orton? Orton. Yeah. Yep. I should know. I was at the show. <laughs> can hardly remember. I remember that match was like not long enough. I think it was pretty short. And I, I was kind of disappointed because it had some pretty good potential. But yeah, yeah he's he's coming back for, to headline this year's Hall of Fame. And uh, this was announced. It, it broke just a few days after Justin and I had recorded last week's Top Rope Nation podcast. And we had talked about who exactly do we want to see be the headliner? And we were like, well, who is out there that could be the yeah. neither of us even thought of Kurt Angle. Didn't even that, cross our minds. That wasn't a brain fart. That was brain diarrhea. That's that's pretty bad. Because he, I mean, he is the one guy I was looking. I can't wait to see him back in the WWE. I mean, I can't. I would not think it's just for the Hall of Fame. It's he's gonna have a match, right? Yeah, you got to imagine he's gonna have a. I can't imagine him not having a match. So, so who would uh, who would you like to see him uh, fight? So the ideal circumstance for me with Kurt Angle is he comes back as a surprise entrant in the Royal Rumble, wins the whole damn thing, and <laughs> challenges AJ Styles in a dream match at WrestleMania. The crowd would love it. You'd be on board. I know all the listeners would be on board with this. Don't lie to me. You want to see it. Why not? I mean, if Nakamura's not going to win it, I want to see Kurt Angle come back and win the Royal Rumble. I'd, I'd be down. Um, I would like to see him do something with America Alpha too. I mean, that just though they fit too perfectly together. Yeah, not they only really use be, that angle rub too. Yeah, not only would you be down, Justin, you would be in the air on a flight to Orlando to see the match in person. <laughs> I would personally push you on Southwest Airlines or whatever it took to get you down there to Orlando to watch the match. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we'll, we'll see. I I would not be surprised if he had a match at Mania or if you know you know the fans are going to chant. Uh, during the induction, one more match. Maybe they'd build it up for later, like in the summer. We'll see. But Kurt Angle's on his way back. Do you have a like an all-time favorite Kurt Angle memory from his first run with the WWE? Um. Oh, yeah. He, he has probably one of my either top five or top three all-time favorite matches. Him and Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 21 is oh, – it's just – it's a work of art. It's beautiful. And I was actually earlier today, I was looking at uh, his star ratings on Pro Fight DB. And man, his run from 01 to 02, they are, he probably averaged like four to four and a quarter stars in every single one of his matches. Just nobody has come in and mastered professional wrestling as quickly as Kurt Angle did. Yeah, he's he was a natural right from the start, like people have never seen before. Um, there's a guy out there right now, Matt Riddle, who some people are giving the Kurt Angle treatment that he's he's coming along really quickly in, in his training, and he is pretty awesome too. But as far as being on the main stage, going, I mean, Kurt Angle was fast-tracked to the oh, yeah. uh, WWF, right? Like he debuted in 99, and that was three years removed from being in the Olympics. And when he from the time he debuted, he was awesome in the ring. One of the things about Kurt Angle I most want to see is he had a dark match with Owen Hart like two or three weeks before Owen Hart tragically died in May of 99. And there's never been any video footage of this. It was it was before all the tapings, like before Raw, I believe. And uh, they had a dark match, like the first match on the card. Um, Angle hadn't been on the, on the roster yet or anything. He was still in training. If that exists on video, like if for any reason they filmed it and it's in the archives, I want to see a Kurt Angle set. I want to see that match on it. Have you ever heard of this match? I have not, but it sounds enticing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not the Kurt Angle you grew to love because it's right at the beginning of his career. Uh, but yeah, it was. I know it was like May or late April of 99. I'm going to look it up right now in the history of WWE.com. See if I can find it, but... Well, well, I'm looking you, that up. You got, any, got anything else of Kurt Angle memories? Um, well, I I would be remiss if I didn't bring up his match against uh, Shane McMahon at King of the Ring. Ooh, I 
don't remember which one it was, but it was probably the one of the most brutal, bloodiest matches of all time. And I, I know of at least one person who thinks it's the greatest professional wrestling match of all time. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but uh, yeah, that's the match where he was belly to belly into the glass like twice before it broke yeah. and Shane was. Yep. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's see. Kurt Angle in a dark match with Owen Hart. Where is it at? So I'm into May of 99. Here it is. All right. May 10th, 1999 in Orlando, Florida. Right before Raw's war, Owen Hart pinned Kurt Angle with a spin kick. May 10th, 99. Yeah, so two weeks, 13 days before Owen Hart died over the edge, he had a dark match with Kurt Angle. If you've never heard of it, Let's make a petition, you guys. We we got to see this. There has to be video of this. Angle was like one of their top recruits. I can't imagine they wouldn't have filmed the match. Uh, but it looks like going through the results, he had he had a couple other matches um, before that, too, where they're probably just testing him out in the ring a little bit. How did you hear about it? I'm trying to remember where I read about this. You know, Angle put out a book years ago um, that I have. And I don't remember if he wrote about it in there. We did an interview one time. Um, I can't remember where I first heard about it. I've known about it for years, though, and always wanted to see it. And there's never been any video that's turned up of it. So, hmm. so uh, do you have some favorite uh, angle matches or moments? Uh, one of my favorite moments is when he brought out the milk truck. Oh, <laughs> oh. that was freaking amazing. You know, doing the whole Steve Austin thing, but he comes out with a milk truck and it was I showed my wife the clip of this one time. She's not the biggest wrestling fan. And she laughed like crazy at that. It was awesome. And then he starts chugging the milk out of the hose. <laughs> oh man, that was great. He was he was so good in the early 2000s. Not just in the ring, but just a yep. great character. The whole it's true, it's true stuff. He, if you needed him to be funny, he'd be funny. If you needed him to be serious, he got serious. He was one of the best of all time. I uh I loved WrestleMania 21 too, like you talked about. I love all the build up to that match with Sean. Uh, yeah, there's so many great segments. I think a lot of them are on the DVD. I'll have to pull it out. But like when uh, uh, he did the match with Marty Jannetty, um, then he came out and he did the whole old HBK entrance with Sherry Martell. And uh, I think it was on SmackDown. Angle comes out with Sherry. He like throws her on the mat like Sean used to, does the pose. <laughs> Had the old, I think he had like the old original HBK music playing that Sherry sang before the oh, nice. current HBK song that we know now. That that was pretty awesome. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a really cool moment to see him get his rightful place in the Hall of Fame. No, no issue with that one whatsoever. Well deserving. So, that was announced early in the week on Raw. And uh, we had our typical three hour Raw, a little hard to get through. Some good moments on the show. Uh, what did you think of Raw this week, Justin? I liked it. I thought it was better than last year. It was uh, the opening and closing segments I thought were both solid. Uh, I am. They now have got me hyped to see a Lesnar and Zayn match now after their <laughs> brief stare down in the ring. I don't, I don't know what it was, but it's like I, I need to see that match now. And I, I, I would like to see a... Uh, Lesnar Strowman match too. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie, I'm down with that. I, w- I wouldn't mind. I I think they're probably gonna keep each other, keep them away from each other in the Rumble, because wasn't it last year? Uh, Lesnar just like threw threw Strowman around like he was nothing. I think so. Yeah, that sounds like <laughs> WWE booking. <laughs> so like this year, after they've been focusing on Braun Strowman being like this big unstoppable force, now I I don't think they want them to touch until they have an actual match. So. I would imagine in the rumble, they'll tell them both like, go out there, do not go anywhere near each other. If they're in the ring at the same time, or else they'll just do like the quick stare down before other people come in. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I feel like you could tell Brock and he wouldn't like care at all. He'd just be completely lost in the moment, suplexing everyone. And he just grab Braun and throw him around. So I think it'd be a little risky to put him in there at the same time. I probably wouldn't do it. I'd hold off, but. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I thought I agree. I thought Raw was better broadcast than last week. It, it's still a long show, uh, a lot of filler in it. Um, but overall, I thought the opening segment was pretty good. Um, the I liked uh, Zane's promo with uh, 
Rollins and Reigns was, I, I thought, pretty funny. Yeah. And from interviews I've listened to with Zayn, I think that is really who he is, too. Telling them how they're going to go into the match and how they're going to beat the guys and the strategy. And mm-hmm. um, that was good. That was a good little view into uh, who Zayn is. Yeah. And then, uh, so you had the six man at the end, Strowman and Jericho and Owens beat Rollins, Reigns, and Zayn. So uh, that led into that. So, Chris Jericho, your reigning U.S. champion, Owens, the uh, universal champion, obviously. How likely do you think it is Roman Reigns defeats Kevin Owens at the Royal Rumble? I always assume he's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I see it happening, unfortunately. I'd like to see Owens hold the belt all the way through to uh, Mania, but I feel like the company realizes they can't have Reigns win it at Mania again, that it'd be a disaster. They probably want to get the belt on him before that, and maybe he'll lose it at Mania. So I, I think the betting odds right now are pretty much in favor of uh, of Reigns going over and the Alamo Dome booing like crazy. But you, uh, you would know this better than me, but I thought I read somewhere that uh, Dave Meltzer was reporting that they have somebody big set up for Reigns' opponent. And I don't know, maybe they mean that literally somebody big like Strowman or uh, mm-hmm. if they mean somebody more like The Rock or something. Yeah, they've there's been a lot of teasing going on from from Meltzer lately in his newsletter and on the podcast and Brian Alvarez, his sidekick. They, they've been talking a lot about there's something really big that's kicking off at the Royal Rumble. And uh, they haven't really hinted too much as to what it is. But, yeah, I've heard that. So it makes me more intrigued to watch the show because I, I guess something big's going down. And uh, if we think about what it is, you know, logically to me, it's Kurt Angle's going to come in as a uh, surprise entrant <laughs> and he's going to win and he's going to face AJ Styles. That would get people talking. <laughs> That's got to be what it is, right? <laughs> <laughs> got to be. But other than that, I, I, yeah, I can't imagine. I, I could see The Rock coming back and wrestling his, uh, what, his long lost relative, Roman Reigns, like they try to to treat it or whatever from the same Samoan dynasty, but, uh, cousin. yeah, I'm not sure they're actually legit related, but they, they like to go with that storyline. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I have no idea as of right now. I haven't heard anything. Um, it's, it's, it's all being kept pretty close to the vest. So we'll have to see what we have in store. But I mean, if you're a wrestling fan, you got to love it. At least they're thinking big and we're hearing there's something big going down. So this is the best time of the year. WWE wise. Um, Something else I've really been digging on Raw, and we have not talked about this, so I'm curious uh, what your opinion is. Uh, I have really been liking the uh, Club and Cesaro Sheamus storyline. It's It's been kind of uh, color by numbers, but I, I'm into it. It's great. I'm looking forward to their match at the Royal Rumble. I think the club's going to go over. I hope so. <laughs> I've felt since, like, since last spring that the the club has been kind of held down in WWE and uh but I've I've really liked the Sheamus Cesaro tag team which I'm surprised by because I'm not the biggest Sheamus fan I love Cesaro um but yeah this has been a bright spot in the raw tag team division which is kind of it's kind of going on fumes there for a while I mean the new day was getting really old I I I like the new day but the it was time for them to lose the belts so when Cesaro and Sheamus won them I, I was not disappointed um, so yeah, I, I agree. That's been a high point of the show, definitely. So um, and then also we've got the Cesaro Sheamus split up to look forward to, and I don't think we'll have another uh, series of matches. But best of nine. Yeah, you put them together for a while, and it does create some interest in seeing them wrestle again. So I mean, that's kind of booking one hundred and one. So I'm sure they'll have a pretty violent breakup here eventually. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think the club with the belts would be a, a good rehab stint for them to get some credibility. Yeah, definitely. Let them let them hold on to it for a let them break a new day's record. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I doubt that'll happen. But uh, yeah, these guys were I mean, a year ago, just over a year ago, they were like one of the hottest tag teams in the world. And over the course of the year, I had a lot of issues. We talked about on the podcast a lot with how they were being used and I felt like they should have put the belts on them pretty early to establish them with the WWE audience. And that never really happened. And, uh, lost a lot of matches and then AJ was taken away in the brand split, but, uh, they're coming back strong right now. So it's not too late to rehab them to be what they were in new Japan. 
they're yeah. a, they're great. Carl Anderson is just so underrated as a wrestler. He is one of the best. Yeah, yeah. I, Carl Anderson's awesome. I, they they've got some uh, New Japan documentaries still. I think up on. New Japan world where they fall around uh, the bullet club and you see his personality and, and what a cool guy he is. So you got to love Carl Anderson. Good guy. Um, and then SmackDown this week, uh, we talked last week, we said SmackDown was not the best show. Um, they kind of had a string of really good shows. And then last week's was kind of a downer. Uh, this week's was pretty good, mostly because I was looking forward to seeing that main event uh, kept me hooked throughout the show. There was, uh, I guess ha- about halfway through the show, the Orton match is kind of a. Uh, I wasn't that interested in that. Oh, see, I, I'm really into the the, the Wyatt story right now. I, I am. I, I thought Orton's been great lately. Yeah, but I felt like the match was kind of long and just not a very good match. Uh, on Tuesday, yeah. it yeah, seemed like I'm it was supposed to be like the main event. It'd be like a main event match normally, and it, it kind of like brought the show down a little bit. Or that's that's how I felt watching it was. I, I liked the interaction after the match with uh, Harper and Orton and teasing the split up again. And I like I've said on the show, I, I really like what's going on with the Wyatt family. I just felt like that match itself was just kind of like blah. Yeah, I agree. I kind of I felt kind of the same way with Miz and Styles. And then I the end was what it was. Yeah. So did you think the the main event, the women's cage match, did you think that lived up to the billing or were you disappointed? It was okay. I went at one point they were in the corner of the cage and it's like, oh, I swear Alexa bliss might be small enough to fit through that little gap. In the I, cage. That's hilarious. Cause I said the exact same thing when I was watching it. Yeah. It's, I, it's, it's a little odd because usually cage matches are like the blow off to a feud. And this clearly isn't. So it's kind of an odd time to do a cage match because they're going to continue to wrestle. Uh, I was happy Alexa kept the belt. I don't think her run should be over yet. Um, the uh, the Mickey James reveal at the end. Were you surprised that that was her? Uh, surprised, but I think it was the right move. Although I I, I guess I am, I am surprised that they put her on SmackDown, whereas the women's division in Raw is a little bit thinner and could probably use a little bit more star power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I right before she unveiled herself, I was watching it um, with the wife, and she was like, "Who is this La Luchadora?" And I'm like, "Well, she's got brunette hair. Definitely not Nikki Bella. Uh, I'm thinking it's Mickey James." And of course, my wife has no idea who Mickey James is, so uh, I kind of explained to her that she had the the comeback match at NXT with Asuka that was pretty good, and they signed her again and. That was like to me logically the only person it could be. Yeah, absolutely. So and she looked great in that La Lucha Dora outfit. <laughs> so do you know about the history with Mickey James and John Cena? I do not. I'm glad you brought that up because oh, I read somebody mentioned something and I had no idea what they were talking about. So okay, I haven't read about it recently. This is just off memory from like 10 years ago. So, you know, if you're listening and I say something wrong. Go ahead and put me on blast on Twitter, but know that I'm going off a memory from a decade ago. But from what I remember, um, Mickey James and Cena had like this relationship, kind of like a short fling. And apparently, I think they did a storyline together for a little bit around the same time. And this is how it kind of came about. And if I remember right, the story was Mickey got like a little bit clingy with John and John kind of like, nudged her out the door and then soon after she was released so i was a little surprised they brought her to smackdown since john is on that brand and nikki of course but they must have buried the hatchet on whatever drama they had years ago but i did think of that when i saw her on smackdown like wait a second john cena's on smackdown that must not be an issue anymore so maybe that's alex riley's story too (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god if you go on topropress.com and you search alex riley you'll you'll see some stuff about uh john cena and uh yeah how he was supposedly buried and all this stuff so i don't know that 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 was the word at least maybe this is just gossip but that that is what i heard i will tell you i met mickey james once and she was a pretty cool down-to-earth person at wrestlemania weekend in chicago in 2006 actually 
It was the uh, it was the night before she won the belt from Trish at the event, and we had gone to the Hall of Fame, and uh, we had gone to like a Perkins, I think, down the road from the Rosemont Theater, and we were in there, and uh, in walks Mickey James and Ken Doan from the Spirit Squad, <laughs> and some other guy, and while they were eating, like dorky wrestling fans of course are going up to her table and interrupting them while they're eating and the funny thing was nobody was talking to kenny at all they were all just talking to her and we were sitting across the way and i'm like oh, i'd kind of like to chat with her a little bit but i'm not going to interrupt her meal like these other dolts are doing <laughs> <laughs> so i got up to like use the restroom and i came out of there and we like crossed paths like she was heading that way and uh we chatted with her like briefly got a picture and stuff and one of my buddies was like so you're gonna win tomorrow right and it's obvious you're gonna win you got you got to be winning the divas title and or the women's title at the time and she would she wouldn't give it away but she kind of smirked at us so when she won it the next day we were like yeah we knew it (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah she was pretty cool in person so i'm happy to see her back with the company and doing well and uh she was always a pretty solid wrestler i think she can add a lot to the division and uh she can give some good advice to the younger female wrestlers too she's been through a lot so yeah i think it was a pretty solid smackdown all around it had its lulls it wasn't like a few of the shows they've had that were like smoking good from start to finish but it was pretty good it was it was improvement over last week there are two other uh segments that i'd like to point out that uh, i enjoyed one was kind of campy but the Nikki and Natty brawl, I thought was was entertaining, and that that's all it needed to be. And and them, well, and actually, both the things I wanted to mention really played off of real life with Natty bringing up uh, Nikki's relationship with Cena and uh, making some weird comments about Bret Hart too. But I'm not sure what that was all about. I guess her just playing heel, I'm assuming. Yeah. Well, they had the the moment a couple of weeks ago where they brought up like the tweet. Right. That Nikki was in with Bret Hart and uh, Bret talking about how much he liked watching her wrestle or something on Twitter, something along those lines. And she Nikki had used that to basically say, like, your uncle likes me better than you. Okay, there it is. I'm glad you brought up Bret, because in that uh, brawl where they went to the merchandise stand on the concourse, one of the points of emphasis was that there was the Bret Hart shirt being sold amongst all the other talent shirts there. Okay. I would be shocked if they were actually selling a Bret Hart shirt at that show. I've been to a lot of wrestling shows and the only time they're selling a legends shirt is if they're like on the show or it's like the WWE hall of fame. So I think, I think that I think the whole merch stand was probably not the real stand. It was like, it was a prop. (laughs) So the minute I saw the Bret Hart shirt, the skeptic in me was like no there's no way this is not this is not the merch stand because yeah because natty pointed it out and how she didn't have any shirts up there or whatever but her, her uncle did nikki did right next to john cena's shirt but and right next to the greg the hammer valentine shirt yeah. <laughs> and the jimmy snooker shirt <laughs> oh, oh, too soon. <laughs> oh, um, God. Then we got to mention uh in my opinion the best segment in the entirety of uh smackdown and maybe actually the entire week of wrestling the Ziggler Lawler interview. I, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I'm not going to lie to you. I, uh, I was watching, I was catching up on my DVR and I watched a little bit of that at the start and I fast forwarded. So maybe I need to go back and watch that. Do definitely do. They, um, like I said, they played off the real life, uh, heart attack that Lawler had. And, uh, Ziggler basically came out and just wouldn't talk, wouldn't say anything. And, Lawler did a good job and was, for some reason, shirtless in his cape, <laughs> <laughs> which is a great look. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, it, it, Ziggler brought up that, you know, it's like, I gave you the elbows that gave you the heart attack, and then he uh, super kicked him in the chest. JBL came running in, and uh, it was good, man. It, it was definitely the best thing that's happened since Ziggler's heel turn. Yeah. Yeah, Ziggler's heel turn was, uh, we talked about that. That was good. That gave him a, a breath of fresh air, I think. He was kind of, I felt like he was dying a slow death <laughs> on the SmackDown brand. And we, Kyle and I had talked about that a little bit. Kyle's not the biggest uh, Dolph Ziggler fan in the world, but I think he even agreed that the, the heel turn was was good. It's good television. So, yep. Um, anything else on SmackDown you want to talk about before we move on? Um, no, that's that's really all I can think of from the show. Okay, well, 
Uh, we are going to do like a full, I just want to mention, we're going to do a full Royal Rumble preview next week with it being the week of the show um, here on Top Rope Nation. And uh, we're going to have actually a special guest on the show next week. So uh, if you've never checked out the podcast called Matt Men, it's part of the GFQ Network. They're on YouTube, um, gfqnetwork.com. Check it out. The host of Matt Men, Andrew Zarian, is going to be a special guest on Top Rope Nation next week. Uh, we'll be recording on Thursday. And uh, we're going to do our full preview with him uh, that night, talk about who we think is going to win, uh, where they're going, what the direction is, the latest rumors on that. I believe Kyle Ross will be back, but we'll kind of play that by ear. If not, we've got our standby Justin Joint here to, to fill in, I'm sure. The most uh, shocking co-host since David Arquette won the WCW title. <laughs> we we be joined by Judy Bagwell? That would, that would be shocking. <laughs> I'm going to raise her up on a forklift. (laughs) So we do have that next week. Uh, So check that out. Andrew Zarin will be here. We'll be doing, we'll do the full Royal Rumble preview. But the reason I bring that up is uh, I did want to briefly touch on uh, some of the past Royal Rumble. So a lot of times here on the show, we like to get nostalgic, talk about our memories as wrestling fans and uh, the Royal Rumble. I don't know about you, Justin, but growing up, when I was running to the video store, checking out the uh, Coliseum videos, I always gravitated to the, the old Royal Rumbles. So I thought maybe we could touch on for a few minutes here some of our favorite Royal Rumble memories. And uh, I'm just going to take the easiest one right off the bat and say Royal Rumble 92, the uh, greatest Royal Rumble match of all time, in my opinion, with uh, Ric Flair going Followed over. by the greatest promo afterwards. Yeah. I'm going to tell you all. With a tear in my eye, this is the greatest moment in my life. It was amazing. And I believe that was, wasn't that the video where they edited like the crowd reaction? Because I think, I think if you watch it, the crowd is clearly cheering when Flair wins and you see people like pumping their fists. But on the video they put out, like they dubbed in a bunch of booze. I'm pretty sure that was a 92 Rumble, if I remember right. I don't know if it's like that on the network. I'll check it out later. But, yeah, the 92 Rumble is like the usually the standard of excellence for most people as far as the best Rumble match. Do you have a, a favorite Rumble as a kid other than the 92 Rumble or anything you want to add on that? Well, I mean, I was a Hogan mark growing up, so I think he won the previous two. So I have a soft spot for those. But at 92, it's like... To have a heel come in in that time of WWE and win the Royal Rumble, which was, I mean, back then, if there was something big going on, Hogan was winning. And not only for Flair to win, but to come in at number three, last the entire time, and and then they screwed it all up and didn't have Hogan <laughs> Flair at Mania. Yeah. And they worked a ton of house shows together, though. They got they have so many uh, Hogan Flair matches in their archives from all those house shows they ran around the country when they used to film them all or the film the ones in the big uh, markets, at least like New York and California. I guess they felt like they had it was still kind of a house show business then. And they had they just kind of felt like they had already done it to death, even though I hadn't been on in television. They felt like thousands of people had already seen it at the live arenas. Of course, we were here in Iowa, so we didn't get Hogan Flair live so we were disappointed (laughs) yeah Um, i i that's still got to be looked at though as like one of the biggest blunders that they didn't do that match at wrestlemania oh yeah that's they could all they would have had to do is just swap the guys have macho take on sid you know and that would have been great because at least you had savage who was a great worker instead of putting just the two uh lumbering big guys against each other but yeah. then I guess you couldn't have had your Papa Shango and Ultimate Warrior run-ins. <laughs> and, you know, that that Savage Flair match they had at WrestleMania was pretty awesome. That, that gave oh, us some good absolutely. moments. Absolutely. I, we got one classic match, though, where I think we could have had two. That's true. That's true. But, God, I got to say, I love that moment at the end of the uh, Savage Flair match where Flair's got blood all over, his hair's crazy, and he puts the lip lock on Miss Elizabeth, and she smacks the crap out of him. Oh yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that that four months of Flair's run is just unbeatable. It was just yeah. so good. Um the, the magazine cover and you know, she was with me before you and the photo shoots. How yeah, it was great. Oh, yeah. I was collecting the magazine back then, so I remember the scandal. <laughs> they 
They even had the names on the towels and everything, or the initials <laughs> on the towels. You were like running to your mailbox before your parents got the mail. Like, oh my god, it's gonna be this. This month is gonna be the dirty <laughs> WWF magazine. <laughs> I was probably too young for that too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, another, I guess, for the older ones, and this wasn't even a Rumble, but it was at the Royal Rumble the year before uh, '91. The Slaughter Warrior match, where Warrior had the belt, he'd carried it since he beat Hogan coming out in the red white and blue and savage ends up hitting him with the scepter costing him the titles i was heartbroken as a kid <laughs> just devastated yeah i i was too i was still uh, i was fuming about savage and him being the bad guy at that point because i always loved randy savage and uh <laughs> But it was it was a pretty cool way they did it with the scepter looking back. Oh yeah, yeah, because it kind of shattered a little bit, and it, it was a good visual. Yeah, uh, the '93 Rumble, Bret Hart and Razor Ramon. It's one of my favorite uh, video covers from the Coliseum Video era, where they had like half of their faces each on the on the cover with the big Royal Rumble logo. Um, obviously, that was. Uh, one of Brett's first big title defenses as champion, I think he had defended against Michaels at Survivor Series like two months before that in 92. And then the 93 Royal Rumble with Razor, who was still pretty new in the company. They had a really good match. Um, I think it was the 93 Rumble, though, the one where like uh, Savage goes for the pin on Yokozuna and then yes. kind of like eliminates himself. <laughs> yep, that was a bit of a wonder. Yeah. But uh, 93 Rumble was decent. Uh, 94, you had Luger and Brett like tie. That was pretty, I, you gotta say, that was pretty ballsy that they did that because they could have screwed up that finish pretty easily. Didn't they try, or was that an accident when they did that with Cena and Batista where uh, Vince ran out and tore his quads? Oh, yeah. I can't remember if that was planned or if that was an accident either. I remember that. Yeah, he tore both his quads in the process. Oh, my God. Not one of Vince McMahon's greater moments. Yeah, I think... I can't remember. I think it might have been planned. But, uh, yeah, Luger, who was never, like, the best worker in the ring, if you put him in there with someone good, he could have a really good match. Um, I don't remember that happening. <laughs> like with He had a couple good matches with Flair and WCW. But... Uh, yeah, to put the trust in him with Brett, who I guess probably just grabbed him and hung on. But they did hit, like, basically exactly simultaneously. And uh, then they had their their dual matches at WrestleMania for the title. So 94 had an interesting twist to it, too. And then, of course, he had the HBK back-to-backs in 95 and 96. So yeah, to me, the 90s are, like, my prime memories of pro wrestling. So I, I like the 90s Rumbles a lot. Uh, then you had... Uh... A couple matches at 99 and 2000. Once again, not involving the actual Rumble, but uh, for me, two of my favorite matches that at least one of them are is hard to watch now. But the uh, Rock Mankind I Quit match, which I don't, I I, mean, I might have not watched that again since it happened. And then uh, his match the following year with uh, Triple H, both uh, really really good matches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, oh, that was a street fight, right at the Garden. Yes, the Owen yep. Rumble. That was they had that match, and then they had what's it, the Hell in the Cell. I think at No Way Out the next month. But yeah, the street fight at the Rumble was the better of the matches. It was, uh, if I remember right, the Hell in the Cell was like really gimmicky. Yes, like they did him going through the cell again and like collapsing the ring, which was clearly like all phony. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like when they did it with Taker, where you you weren't sure like was that part of the show or not. And, uh, that was a little bit disappointing. That was supposed to be Foley's uh, retirement match, right? Yep. Yep. And then he ended up, I mean, I guess if you get the call that says, hey, if you come back, you get to be in the main event of WrestleMania, that's going to be a hard one to turn down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, one Rumble was pretty good. I guess. So outside of the 92 Rumble, to me, my favorite Rumble match itself is probably 04, which is a hard one to watch now because it involves Benoit. But uh, I love the finish of that rumble. Love it. Yeah. yeah, I think that was that was an excellent Royal Rumble match. So um, and then I had never seen it because I, I think I had been I was kind of out on wrestling at the time. But I actually just watched it uh, the other day, the 2007 Rumble, where we basically got that first taste of a uh, Michaels Undertaker match. It was those two at the end. And they basically had, I think, like a 10 to 15 minute match to close out that rumble and it was 
Ooh, it was a doozy. Slightly remember that, but it's kind of in the period of wrestling where like a lot of it blurs together for me. I think just being in college at the time and stuff, finishing up college, but yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and watch that one. Yeah, definitely do. You'll dig it. So yeah, hopefully we'll have some more memories like that made at this year's Royal Rumble. They're gonna be back at the Alamo Dome, of course, where it occurred 20 years ago. I very vividly remember listening to the match on pay-per-view. Uh, my parents would not order it for me. So I had the old uh, channel up with the scrambled picture, but you could hear the audio crystal clear. And I, <laughs> I remember really listening. I was really interested in that main event with HBK and Sid to see if Michaels would win. Uh, I think it was pretty obvious he would with it being in his hometown and everything. But uh, I remember I was, I was listening to it with my cousin. And uh, I think it was like he was over for my birthday party or something. I was like 13, 14. And uh, uh, we like went crazy when Michaels won that match. I was, I was ticked about the, the finish with Bret Hart, though, because as we said last week, I was a huge Bret Hart mark as well. And, uh, man, Austin screwed him bad in that match. Yep, I was pissed about that, too. You're not alone there. <laughs> I remember getting so mad, like, on Raw the next night when, you know, Brett was talking about how he got screwed. And it was like, he did get screwed. He, he knocked Austin out of the match. <laughs> and he came back in and threw him out. This is bullshit. <laughs> I was the same way. All through that heel uh, Canadian Heart Foundation run, I was like, you know, I kind of agree with everything he's saying. Well, you guys yeah, are Americans. Yeah, everything he's saying about America is actually true. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, uh, I got a lot of stories about that. I'll have to say that for another show. But I was, I was very pro Canada too. I, I went to a Disney World that year with my parents, and when we were at Epcot, where they have like all the countries, I made a point to go buy a Canadian flag, <laughs> <laughs> which I proudly oh. displayed in my bedroom at the time with the whole. Heart Foundation thing going on. <laughs> you went a step beyond me, buddy. Yeah, I, I, I had a Canadian flag. I had the maple leaf flying. That's awesome. Yeah, so I don't know. Any any predictions from you on who's going to win the Rumble this year? I talked about my my two, uh, what I want to see, either a, a surprise Kurt Angle or I've said in the past, a surprise Shinsuke Nakamura. So I guess I'm all down for the surprise this year to really set the company on fire for WrestleMania season. Do you have a... Anyone you really want to see go over? For yeah, for wanting to see, I'm okay with either one of those. Uh, throw in Finn Balor. Um, I'd like to see Rollins, although I don't think that's going to happen because he's probably going to be facing Triple H. But uh, basically, I will be happy for Baron Corbin um, as long as it's not Goldberg. That's the only way uh, it'll be ruined for me. Same. So we'll be doing the live post show that night on YouTube. That will be for everyone, not just uh, Patreon supporters. So if, you, if you're listening to the podcast right now, right after the Royal Rumble, we will be live a webcast on YouTube. So if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, um, go to topropepress.com. There's a YouTube link at the top right-hand corner of the screen. You can subscribe to the YouTube page, and then you'll get an alert when we go live after the Rumble. We'll have a full panel. I'm, I'm hoping to have four or five people on the show with us that that night to uh kind of dissect everything that goes down but uh based on what you just laid out justin i think honestly if i had to pick a surprise entrance that's the most likely i'd probably say balor i know that was like the kind of like the internal target was they wanted him to be back for the rumble and it's like a best case scenario but it'd be pretty sweet if he came back as, as a surprise entrant i've been reading things about maybe him and taker which the only thing that throws me off with that is if Taker's going to be in in the Rumble, that really leads me to believe he's going to win it. But, yeah. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. What's the point of putting him in if he's not going to win it? Yeah. And I, I guess like you would think that whoever or however he gets eliminated, that's where his WrestleMania storyline is going. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. We'll have plenty to talk about, I'm sure, after the show, whether it's good or bad. So... Uh, I think it's going to wrap it up for this week, hey guys. So uh, once again, thanks for tuning in. If you're watching us live on YouTube or you're listening on demand to the podcast version of the show, um, as always, leave us a rating, subscribe on iTunes, check us out on Stitcher, Podbean, TopRopePress.com, of course. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at HistoricalRyan. Justin, you want to give a plug for your Twitter? Uh, I think it's at Joint319, I believe. There you go. Not, so not 
joint 319, I believe. Just just <laughs> ends at the nine. That would be like a Roman Reigns, maybe like a half day. <laughs> that would not be good. <laughs> joint 319, believe that. <laughs> yes. So uh, you can check us out on there. Uh, tomorrow's January 20th, so both of us might be going black on January 20th. But we'll be back with our tweets. Uh, and you can read into that what you may. But we'll be... We'll be back on our Twitter account after uh, Inauguration Day, so you can check us out on there. And uh, with that being said, I want to thank you all for joining us. Thanks for filling in again for us here this week for Kyle. Kyle will be back eventually. We'll be back next week with Andrew Zarian as our special guest, and we will talk to you then. Thanks. Thanks.